Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaos. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again in another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your keeper, Keeper Michael, for the evening, and I have with me my Masks of Neonothotep crew. We are still in the England chapter, and the crew is going to go around and give themselves a heartily inter- hearty introduction, but I would like to thank our patrons for their support as we get the show started. So, with introductions to my right. It's Lonnie. I'm playing Lawrence Edward Oliver Forsyth, and... Uh... Yeah, we're going to be assisting the police in their inquiries. I can't wait. It's literally nonstop hilarity is going to ensue. <laughs> um, to, to Lawrence is right. I'm Morgan. I play Lillian Lane, and I am just a woman about the city today. Also dangerous as well, at least if it were if there if there is any gun ranges nearby. Um, at the end of the table. This is Jake. I'm playing Jack Doyle. And yes, I also get to speak to Scotland Yard. So that's going to be wonderful. I'm sure that uh, there's nothing more than a uh, empowered American detective. That's exactly what New Scotland Yard wants to see. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Jack's right. This is James. I'll be playing Dr. Sigmund Tartenbach. And I almost envy that cheerful journey to Scotland Yard kind of a strange if not disturbing situation developed last game at the london spiritual society eh? to the doctor's right i'm tiffany and i play Maeve O'Shea, and uh, i have found quite a bit of info useful information and uh, more stuff to go find out about yes we are hot on the trail of one neil o'shea and it seems he has been in the area recently so now the question is is can we figure out where he's gone off to? And last but most certainly not least, our second story man, the man who has pitched a tent atop the heart of London. This is Alex. I'll be playing Simon Granger, and I believe it is time to invade some people's privacy. Well, privacy invasion laws are totally different in the 1920s than they are present day, so you might actually get away with it. Especially if I don't get caught. So we're going to lift the curtain tonight at New Scotland Yard as uh, one Jack Doyle and one Lawrence Forsyth stride up to New Scotland Yard for their meeting with uh, Inspector Barrington. So, gentlemen, uh, New Scotland Yard is a beautifully pointed building. Uh, There are all sorts of folks working uh, the desks here as far as paperwork goes, and there are inspectors and policemen abound. So if any of you have any uh, concerns over law enforcement in the area, you are in the exact wrong spot. Well, luckily we're not us, Simone. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not wanted for anything that I'm aware of. Hey, I'm not wanted for anything that, that you're, you're aware, aware of. of. No, I'm pretty sure I'm not wanted for anything. You stride into the front desk and quickly are directed to um, the bureau area that the inspector works in. And uh, you arrive in what, what appears to be a pool of offices that are all in this uh, 
rectangular area. It seems like there are several offices. It almost for a second looks like an accounting office because there are um, there's a big rectangular space in the middle where there are open desks, and then there are offices beyond that. Well, I go up to the uh, um, front desk. Yep, absolutely. You see a gentleman behind it. Oh, good day, sir. Can I help you? Yes, uh, I'm Jack Doyle. I called earlier about speaking with uh, Detective Bellinger. Barrington. Barrington, yeah, that's what I said. Seems to shuffle some papers back and forth and then picks up uh, what looks like a memo form. Oh, yes, yes, I uh, have your name here. Wonderful. Um, right this way, he stands up. And they, he walks you to one of the back offices uh, that's in the row here. And you can see there's a gentleman uh, looking over some papers on a desk. It looks like a very uh, very simple workspace. It doesn't seem to be uh, terribly crowded with a lot of personal effects. It's uh, it's very much a straightforward work desk. And uh, the gentleman looks up as you come towards the door. Oh, Harold, wonderful. He stands up. Thank you. Please, please come in. He gestures you in. Thank you. Uh, so, uh, have, have you been attended to? Is there anything I can get you before we begin? Uh, no, I don't, uh, Lawrence. No, I'm fine. Thank you. Yes, uh, as I, I spoke to you on the phone. I'm Jack Doyle. This is my associate, uh, Lawrence Forsyth. You had pr- some questions about the uh, Egyptian murders? Yes. Um, I was working a case in New York, and we... It has some, there's some similarities, I believe. Hmm. His uh, thin face and maybe perhaps a bit of a weary look in his eyes. Nod. Uh, It's unfortunate this world has become rife with these uh, strange murders. Indeed. A writer who had passed through England, in fact, just a few months ago, was killed by a cult. An African cult. Hmm. A writer, you say? Yes. He was investigating some other matters when he contacted us, but before we could uh, get in touch with him, he was brutally murdered by the same people who had committed a series of murders across New York. He snaps his fingers. Uh, Mr. Um, Elias, yes. He turns in his chair and you see him shuffle a few papers. Uh, he, he came to me. Indeed. Yes. Uh, also about the Egyptian murders? Yes, we, we talked very briefly. He goes through the paperwork, and you see him kind of meticulously pull out a sheaf of paper where there are some notes. Uh, we, we talked very briefly about these uh, murders. He's, uh, he said that they were uh, ritualistic killings, yes? Uh, yeah, I believe so, yes. Now, how much do you know about them? Uh, these in particular, all I know is uh, what I've read in the papers. Hmm. But I, I, have, I have a feeling there might be uh, some similarities to the uh, ritualistic killings in New York. In what way? Well, the cults uh, are from the same general region. I believe uh, the one in New York was a Kenyan cult. And this is an Egyptian cult. There may be some link. Why are they called the Egyptian murders, by the way? 
I appreciate your question there, Mr. Forsyth, but allow me to have one of my own. How much do you know about the killings that happened in New York? Uh, quite a bit. I see. And you investigated them then, yes? Indeed, yes. Well, you must understand here in London, here especially at the Yard, we take evidence very seriously. Do you have anything to show us as far as what evidence you might have about them being linked? Well, again, I don't have much other than the uh, the nature of the crimes. That's why I was kind of uh, interested in uh, seeing if we could compare some notes and see what comes up. Mm-hmm. And comparing of evidence and notes is a dangerous subject. I mean, you must respect the fact, of course, Mr. Doyle, that you and I have just met. Of course. And this is an act of crime, mm-hmm. as far as we're concerned. Right. The killings that we saw in New York primarily were seemingly random. They were grabbing victims for what we believe were sacrifices. Uh, They were grabbing them mostly from the poor districts, foreigners, people uh, the police there, frankly, were less likely to worry about. They were beaten and stabbed. The victims all had carvings in their head, some type of uh, symbol. Hmm. Do you have an example of the symbol? I could sketch it out here for you really quickly. Please, he shuffles a piece of blank paper over towards you. Okay. And, I'll, and I'll sketch out the uh, symbol that we found. Interesting. Now, how did you come to the investigation? Um, this Jackson, he uh, contacted us <laughs> to help him with an investigation. Unrelated to the murders, when we came to his hotel room, we found we, we found him... Freshly murdered. The police came. One of the uh, murderers was apprehended. It was uh, a matter of some honor that we uh, helped the police work on that investigation. He seems to study you for a moment before continuing. You found him murdered, huh? Yes. That sounds ghastly. It was. It was a brutal murder. And is this where you saw this symbol at? Yes. That was the first time we saw the symbol. They had charged a, uh, a person, a laborer, with the uh, with the murders, some earlier murders that the uh, cult had perpetrated. But uh, the evidence of their involvement uh, hopefully will have him free if he's not already. Free. Yes. He, in fact, I spoke with I spoke with Ramsey, and he's been freed. So you've come upon the body of a. I assume Elias was a friend of yours. Yes, he was. was. You come upon a friend's murder. You've helped locate some regards. You've assisted in the investigation of the police department. And then you've in some way helped free an innocent man. That's quite the journey. We do our best to help where we can. And now you're here in London trying to, what, search down the rest of the trail? Yes. Seems like it's a closed matter. Well, we are uh, tracking this cult to its source. All right. Why don't either one of you give me a persuade roll? <laughs> hey, hey. Uh... <laughs> oh, this will go fantastic. How's that luck going? 24 <laughs> under 25. Oh, there you go. Woohoo! Very nice. He turns to you, Mr. Doyle, and says, uh, you have the look of a policeman yourself. I was uh, formerly a policeman before the war. Hmm. If you're here to help and uh, 
you've helped Mr. Elias. I'll tell you this. When we spoke, he had mentioned an organization he described as an Egyptian death cult. Now, in my time, I have heard of many strange organizations, local and uh, foreign, but I'd never heard of the practices. He, he went into such detail. He'd mentioned he was a, some sort of a novelist or something. He, yeah, he, he writes uh, books on uh, cults and the like. He went into great detail about the some of these death cult practices that they would eviscerate their sacrifices sometimes, or other times they might uh, remove pieces of their body for specific ritual purposes. Are you familiar with any of that? It seems familiar to uh, the cult from New York, which was known as the uh, Cult of the Bloody Tongue. It was a death cult, African death cult. Elias was looking into a few things here, but there was a tip he gave me about one of the organizations locally, a Penhu Foundation. He said it was connected to Egypt, and he was trying to collaborate with, uh, with them on information. He'd mentioned um, an expedition, Carlisle, I think. He thumbs through the papers again. Yes, here. Uh, he'd mentioned the Carlisle expedition. He was following up something. Uh, I, I found the article in the Times from years ago, and I'd, uh, I'd completely forgotten about what had happened. Yes, we are familiar with them. Are you? Yes. Well, so they're a part of this as well? I don't know. Carlisle was murdered in Kenya, him and his entire party. There's just too many coincidences. Well, if your police work was anything like mine, I'm sure that, quite frankly, the matter of coincidences I is suspect at best. Indeed. I don't like coincidences. I don't think they exist as often as other people believe them. There's always a reason for something. I agree. I met with Gavigan, this Edward Gavigan, at the foundation. He confirmed that there was a society calling themselves the Brotherhood of the Black Pharaoh, but there was no modern-day equivalent. It was ancient. It died out hundreds of years ago. Or so we believe. It was interesting, though. Mr. Gavigan did mention that the method that they'd used, the one that Elias had went into such detail, he believed it imitated the ones of this ancient cult. Hmm. An amazing coincidence, I'm sure. It seems, unfortunately, that after doing a little more checking into Mr. Elias, it seems that he had previously been in contact with Mr. Gavigan. And it seems Mr. Gavigan believes him to be a, or believed him to be a sensation-seeking profiteer. And he said that his... uh, Information wasn't necessarily reliable. I had worked with uh, Mr. Elias for many years, and I believe him to be thorough in his investigating techniques. Well, we have a difference of professional opinion. That's not uncommon in the law enforcement world, yes? Yes, indeed. And of course, uh, the difference between an investigator and a scholar has a lot to do with the opinion. 
Yes, um, even from what I understand, there, even those who uh, keep up with uh, golf or uh, some of the other practices here, the leisurely practices have differences of opinion. Right. Mr. Forsyth, you mentioned that you were interested in the Egyptian murders, yes? Yes. Why, why are they called the Egyptian murders? Because well, of the death cult? No, actually. It has everything to do with who is being killed. He uh, goes to another folder. There have been a total of 19 murders carried out over the past three years, all each having a very similar method. I dubbed them the Egyptian murders, which, of course, some fools here mentioned to the paper. So now every time a murder comes up, they call it the Egyptian murders. Indeed. I I understand how that works. Well, it's... You can't get away from it. There's a open ear in every room these days. Oh. 17 of those died were Egyptian nationals. And the other two? It, oh, just locals here. Hmm. People caught in the wrong instance. No connections that anyone noticed? I don't know how much I can honestly divulge about that. The yard has some policies, you understand. That's fair. That's fair. I do have a witness report here, which I suppose if you're looking into them, it wouldn't be too terrible. May I? Hmm. Yes, he shows you it. So, Jack, this witness report goes into a pretty grisly detail of the victim that they found. And this victim was beaten. Um, They suffered blunt and sharp trauma to the head and torso. And it looks like the weapon, at least from what the investigators are um, have written about here, it seems it might be a wooden club, possibly with nails driven through it. Hmm. It's an exceedingly barbaric killing. And it looks like this witness report here came upon this dying victim. The victim was crying out the word Hotep. Just Hotep? The word. I asked uh, Mr. Gavigan about it because it um, evidently originates from Egypt, something meaning rest or peace or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much uh, relevance it has specifically, but I mean, there's almost two dozen murders that have been going on for the past three years. Mike, is there a name of this witness? It seems, anyway, that this witness report has been carefully redacted. Damn. There's just a number at the top of the page. All right, all right. Okay. That, that's all that's pretty much in there? As far as you can tell, yeah. I mean, it's just basically, it's basically like a half-page report that's put into a, an envelope. Mike, mm-hmm. when you say there's a number on the top of the page, do you mean like a telephone number or just a... a- Number involving the case, maybe, or it must be a case number. It doesn't appear to be an actual phone number. You've dot. Okay. You've had um, not necessarily experienced dialing numbers over here, but um, you've heard some of the phone numbers that are mentioned here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't match up at all. Okay, I was just curious if sure. And have all the victims suffered the same type of uh, wounds? Well. Um, Unfortunately, you're not going to like this, Mr. Doyle, but uh, 
unfortunately, I can't comment on that. No. I understand. Any strange uh, markings similar to the one that we showed you? It would be difficult for me to say no to that, Mr. Forsyth. Mm. I tend to believe that there is some sort of gang that's responsible for this. Now, we've had a lot of dust-ups and trouble recently in certain sectors. There are some places that we've done a little looking into, but I haven't been able to nail specifically what's been going on, at least the root of it. And unfortunately, I've already lost a partner in this. Indeed. Really? Hmm. What happened? If you don't mind us asking. He was investigating this and went missing. Hasn't been seen since. I'd not heard anything about that. You'd think that would make the papers. Well, I'm not about to go yammering on to the paper about it. Yes, but we all know that uh, papers have a way of finding out information. We do. We do. I've done a little bit of investigating into the Blue Pyramid Club here locally. It's in Soho. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of um, residents and visiting Egyptian businessmen that uh, frequent the place. I also found a strange tie that many of the victims had visited that club. Now, altogether possible, of course, that since it's a popular club, they're Egyptian. It's possible. It's just a simple commonality. But I tend, again, not to believe in coincidences. Indeed. We put the place under surveillance, but uh, it didn't turn up anything. I went as far as to interviewing interviewing several of the people there. Most of them had very little to offer. Some couldn't even speak English. There was a spice dealer, uh, Zahar Shafiq, who interested me. Uh, she'd worked with the Penny Foundation in the past. She recognized the Brotherhood of the Black Pharaoh name, but... She also denied it existed. Mm-hmm. There's something about her that doesn't fit. I don't know what it is. I had her tailed for a few days. You say she's worked with the Penn Foundation. No, in no. What capacity? She, she, no, no. She worked with them in the past. Some type of um, advisor on Egyptian affairs. She's from Egypt. That would make sense. But she doesn't work there anymore. Or work with them. Not to my knowledge. To be honest, after putting a tail on her for a few days, I didn't find out anything about her except that occasionally she goes to the Blue Pyramid Club. She has a a spice shop in Soho, and that's about it. She seems, other than, other than something about her doesn't fit, there isn't anything else I could finger specifically. Well, these are some... Uh interesting uh bits of information maybe uh if you don't mind we could poke around a little bit and see what we come up with well if you're willing to assist us i'm happy to let you go poking but it's important you understand that everything the yard does is above the board exactly just like any other visitor you're welcome to ask questions to go to places but we'd want to make sure that um while you're visiting England, you don't overstep any bounds. We wouldn't uh, presume to wish to break the law. We'll be the soul of discretion. I shall hold you to that, Mr. Doyle. Now, where are you staying while you're here in town? Uh, I give him the uh, hotel. Hmm. 
Waldorf Astoria. That's quite a place. What what is it you say you, you do again? Well, it's not me. One of our companions uh, can't stand to uh, live in anything lo- less than luxury. How painful for you? <laughs> yes, it's awful. Yeah, we <laughs> suffer. We suffer for our for our efforts. Very well. Well then, if there's anything I can get you, ring me here. I'll do my best to assist you in any way I can. I, I desperately want to see these Egyptian murders solved. Of course. Just one more thing. I had heard that there had been a, uh, an incident at the British Museum recently. All right. What, what kind of incident? A murder. A particularly brutal and uh, unnatural one. Really? Hmm. If there has been, Mr. Doyle, I have not heard about it. The British Museum is, of course, one of London's gems. If there had been a killing there at all, I would have known about it. Interesting. It may not have been my case, but uh, I still would have heard. Right. Well, maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's just a rumor. Well, good day, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Please do. Please do. He shakes both of your hands before you leave and then walks you uh, out towards the, the pool where you can kind of find your own way out after that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to move the camera to Mr. Granger. Hi. How are you spending the rest of your evening here atop the lofty arches of the uh, of the roof? Well, I, I settle in and um, I set up my, my view... I have binoculars and my rifle. Okay. For spotting. So my uh, my goal at this point is to start the uh, grueling process of running inventory on this place. So like after I get settled in, I'll, you know, outline a schedule based on when I see them like opening for business. Sure. I'll make note of people that I can identify. I will give them names, note their descriptions, try to figure out what they do. Maybe like what relationships they have with other people inside, their routines, what level of danger I think they represent. Like, can I spot any of the ones that we saw respond when they heard the noises out back? Are there any like obvious armed sentries that are like wandering around this place or exterior security or what what have you? I'm not too, I'm not necessarily too worried about like, well, maybe let's, I'll spot the chef if I can spot a chef, but... <laughs> Okay. Yeah, you've got quite a bit of uh, of work there. Yeah, so that's like for people. And then as far as the place is concerned, um, I know that I only can see one side of the building, but there was also a third level balcony that gave me a view of the rear entrance. Mm-hmm. I feel like I should be able to get to there from the roof relatively easily, or at least without like horribly injuring myself. I mean, as long as you're doing it under the cover of dark, you should be pretty well... Yeah, it would, well, it would be like at night to try to spot yeah. deliveries mm-hmm. or deliveries or departures um, from sure. the rear entrance. I would probably hear them before I saw them anyway. If it's coming in like, you know, I don't horse-drawn carriage, truck, car, what have you. So to try to get an idea, at least the rooms I can see, like what their purpose is. And if I can spot any physical security or restricted areas, like are there people that don't that I don't see going to certain areas that only go into certain areas? And other than that, just try to, you know, I'll... I'll I'll tell myself a soap opera while I kind of watch these people and I'm going to look for like the person in charge. 
I'm going to look for the people that are close to the person in charge. I'm trying to remember how many conversations we've had. Because I feel like we've talked about the the person who kind of runs this place, the director or the... Yeah, Edward Gavigan. Yeah. So I will definitely try to figure out who he is. But I'm not too concerned with him. Because I feel like if I were him, I'd be paranoid already. So I'm going to look for the people that work for him. Like the people that have to run his place. So I'm look for like his administrators, his managers. Who, who does he pick on? Who does he talk to? Because the place itself, like how many people are actually, well, I guess that's a good question. So, you know, we'll figure out how many people are generally here. Visitors, I'm not too concerned with. Like I'll definitely make note of how many there are. But I know that people are going to visit this place. So I'm not like, unless somebody's obviously out of place. <laughs> I think that's that's a note that I have like from Jack, like, this person is glaringly out of place <laughs> and doesn't belong here. One of these is not like the other. Yeah. Okay. So that gives me a good set of information to, to kind of give you some feedback on. Settling in here is two things. One, it is lonely, but the soap opera that you begin to form is, uh, is helpful in that regard. And two, it's cold. Uh, you are up on a roof where the wind does not, does not really play favorites in that regard. Um, but the clothing that you have and the equipment that you've collected is going to assist you in some regard. Um, so if you go through the staff here, it seems that to anywhere between, say, five to seven staff members are in and around the building from what appears to be about 6 a.m. till about, say, 8 p.m., give or take. One man that draws your attention relatively quickly is a small framed man seems to wear pinstripes a lot at least the first day that you see him he has a relatively pointed nose in fact it kind of reminds you of a dagger in that regard and he has very angular features uh, it's clear that he has come from a very well-off family everything he does is well within uh, england's standard of societal norms and you can see very quickly, probably within the first three or four hours, that this person is the person other people come to. This is Dante. I will name him Dante. <laughs> so this man becomes a almost like a stopping point for other people in the regards that just flitting your binoculars back and forth. You can tell that his office is right outside Edward Gavigan's office and that people don't really get into Mr. Gavigan's office. They'd get in front of this man. And when they get a delivery, a box delivery uh, in a relatively short wheelbase truck that arrives probably about two or three in the afternoon, it's this man that gets alerted that the truck has arrived. That sort of thing. Um, it's not that the, the foundation doesn't get visitors. It does maybe gets two or three people that want to walk through the museum floor. And you get a relatively good view of those rooms in the sense where you can tell on the first floor there is an awful lot of offices. Th those you saw on the way when you were first sneaking around the building. But in the on that second floor, th that's where the ex exhibition is. And you can see through some of those higher windows that they have a fair amount of 
wonderful pieces that are on display. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll make you know crude, crude sketches of what I can see anyway. I mean, the, I mean, like I can't build a full like, interior map, but I will do what I can to get an idea of like the size of this place and like kind of what's going on in those rooms. The building is probably maybe 30 yards long by 15 to 20 yards wide, give okay. or take. Maybe a little bit more at the base. It tapers a bit up to the top. It looks like from your vantage point, you can see that there are on the second floor beyond the exhibition area, which dominates the center of the structure. There might be offices that are uh, around that. You can see rooms and doors and stuff like that. Okay. A couple on the couple towards you and a couple farther away from you. And the gates, the sliding gates at the back that you'd noticed the last time, you can tell that they stay locked or they stay shut anyway, pretty much during normal business hours. And that when the truck arrives, it has to honk before someone will open it. Okay. So are the trucks? Um, do we know, is it always the same courier? Oh, no. Uh, you, you only see two trucks that arrive. Okay. And they are, most of the truck, the both trucks that arrive don't have any sort of, there's no lettering on them. You don't see any businesses displayed. I will note that to myself. <laughs> their, their anonymity does not go unnoticed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would say that's probably the majority of your first day. Oh, that's an amazing first day. I mean, I was, I was ready to settle in for that for days. Let me know when day two is ready. <laughs> I will do just that. Okay, so I'm going to go to, or I'm going to go to uh, the doctor and uh, Miss O'Shea as they leave the London Spiritual Society. So my question to the two of you is, where are you heading first? Well, before we leave, I want to become a member. Oh, yeah. I mean, Lord Walters is is happy to take your membership. He basically gives you the the long and short of it, which is full membership in the society is about 200 pounds. Okay, that's a lot. <laughs> it sure is. He tells you that your father had been a member for many years, so he's willing to cut the rate in half in this regard. Okay, with my current credit rating, can I still afford that? That's a good question. So we can go into some fun detail if we wanted to. Um, Doctor, what you're hearing is astonishing. Mm. In the sense that with everything that's gone on, just coming up with 100 pounds is a, is a massive amount of money. Yeah. Um, if, the, if one of the obstacles between Maeve finding more information about what's going on with her dad and stuff is some, something is something as mundane as money well that's definitely something the doctor is more than willing to help with I will pay for her membership okay Um, doctor with a a, with a role and a a successful role as far as uh, credit rating goes I have now and I got a hard success 23 under 59 you dig deep and um, you get into that old fashioned sock money (laughs) <laughs> and you've been you've been hanging on to it for a rainy day and well it's finally come in handy. It's coming down. You produce several bills to the surprise of Miss O'Shea. Probably not actually sock money by the way. It's probably just tucked into the doctor's suit somewhere or 
where he has like a, a secret compartment in his doctor's bag. And kind of <laughs> That's kind of what I was thinking is, yeah, he's got like a special hidden uh, hidden compartment in the doctor's bag. So he fishes yeah. out some of his cash. Yeah, she's probably just sitting there like wide eyed, like, oh, uh, wait, what? <laughs> Either in cash or I write him a check with a Q. It's a Q. It's a check with a Q back him uh, back <laughs> back then. <laughs> But yeah, either way, I pay for her membership into the... He has you sign something. He has you sign a document, Mr. Shea. Okay. And basically, it, the long and short of the document, you if you have law, you're welcome to roll it, but... Uh, I don't long... think so. <laughs> I mean, I'll look, because I have all kinds of craziness, but it don't. It I... seems to be. He, he, um, oh, I have five he in it. goes over the form with you. Nope. Okay. It's very simple. Um, you agree that you will not speak about the practices, the information, rights, etc., that you might find out within this society here uh, to the public at large on, on penalty of being ejected from the society and other potential penalties. So basically it's an NDA. You're right, but Tiff, they don't... I, mean, I know, they don't do NDAs then. Right. But I mean... But it basically, that's what we're talking about, though, right? That's right. Okay. That is fine. He um, takes the signed paperwork and the um, donation from you, uh, Doctor, and mm -hmm. thanks the both of you. Now, if you would like to use the library here, it is at your disposal. What books were the students and my father looking at when the incident occurred? Let me take you down to the library here. You walk down deeper into the uh, building, and you can see uh, many of the halls here. The, the main hall here has this beautiful, uh, just wonderful, deep, rich mahogany wood that's been put into the, uh, the paneling here. All the scroll work is very elegant. It all feels very much like uh, great attention was paid to it, at least in its installation. The library here, while it is not vast by any means, um, it seems to be very focused, right? Um, Makes so it sense. Might be two or three um, direct shelves that he points to, but uh, you see quite a few, uh, not only occultic tomes, but religious texts. Uh, you see a couple of books that are under like a, like glass. Hmm. Okay. No, they were studying a, uh, a Sumerian ritual. And they believed that this uh, creature, this being, could be called forth to act as a direct agent uh, and uh, counteract this uh, possession. Okay. So, uh, if you need anything else, I will be in my offices. He points down the hall further. Well, thank you for all of your information. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Ms. O'Shea, for your uh, patronage. And uh, I do hope that you and your father find one another soon. As do I. Thank you. So my question to you is, what are your plans with the library? I'm going to look over that text of what they were trying to... Well, first and foremost... I'm going to turn to the doctor and hug him and thank him. You are welcome, Fräulein. It is, uh, it is 
getting you one step closer to finding your father, and I know you'll put these books to good use. After that, I'm going to, yeah, go over the ritual that they had an incident with mm -hmm. and try and get more uh, specifics before I head anywhere to speak to anybody else because I want to have more of an idea of the ritual so that I know what they're talking about if anything is referenced. Okay. Why don't you give me a library use roll? Will do. That is 48 out of 89. So it takes a good probably three or four hours here to dig in deep enough to figure out specifically what they were doing. It appears anyway that from what your um, what you've researched, uh, that the ritual is fairly complex. It takes four people. It has to deal with cardinal points. Um, there's a lot of basic occultic and even advanced occultic practices that you're not even sure after looking at the, the paperwork here if it is something that they could pull off. It's a, it's a pretty advanced rite. It looks like it would take uh, a few days to perform, at least uh, unless you were, I mean, potentially unless you were very familiar with it. Beyond that, though, um, the papers here even include what look like notes, like handwritten notes. Okay. Some of those handwritten notes are in a familiar handwriting to you. From my father? You've seen them before. Mm -hmm. You can also see that there's another hand that's written some of the notes here. It's probably a male hand just based on the way that they write their script. Mm -hmm. um, and he seems to be, this person seems to be pointing to the fact that they would need some sort of residence to perform the right in that it would not necessarily be um, proper to do it in London. Okay. So it does suggest that they went elsewhere to do it. Which Lord Walters mentioned. Right. So I guess the success in the library use kind of reaffirms it connects that piece for you. Okay. That they did uh, seemingly go somewhere else. I guess my other question then is, is Sigmund, what are you doing while she's thumbing through ancient, you know, textbooks? Am I allowed down in here now or like just her? I, I was unclear. I mean, did he let me follow her into where? He did. He did. Well, since she's going to be here and it looks like she's going to be a little while, I might as well also dig into some of these books and find if I see if I find anything interesting. Yeah, you're welcome to make a library use that, as well. That would be Vandabar. 57 over 46. I'm not spending any luck, so I don't really find anything interesting. <laughs> um, no, that's not necessarily okay. true. You just don't find anything pertaining to what directly what she's doing. Uh, what you do find seems to be just a, a small pocketbook hmm. where there seem to be some... Um, financial figures this does this looks like it was a probably a, a personal diary of sorts and you can tell that whomever wrote this there seems to be they, they seem to have been fairly well off hmm. okay after 
perusing it pretty closely. Do I do I can I pull any names out of it? Yeah, so after looking over it for uh, a couple of minutes, uh, near the back there's an in, there's a inscription. You see a very uh, carefully script written name that says uh, Peter Walmsley. It's near the back. It looks almost like the he was testing how to write his own signature on some of the blank pages in the back. Okay. Practicing his signature kind of a thing. Yeah. Okay. You know, I take a... Uh... Is it like a binder, or is the or like a like is it more like a ringed binder kind of a thing, or is this like an actual like pressed sewn book? Well, you said it's pocket, so it's like pocket size. It's like a field note. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pretty um, much. Hmm. Well, I hate to go burgling this place already, but uh, they did just burgle me for like five hundred and fifty dollars. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, hang no. on though. You like you burgled I burgled yourself. myself. Like no, uh, I bring it to uh, Maeve's attention. Actually, to I'll let her. It's her membership, so I will bring it to her attention, including the name in the back and such. Oh, you said it's like his journal. Um, it seems to be more like a financial journal of sorts, like a ledger kind okay. of a thing. Yeah, well, like um, like a a shopping list where um you write down your expenses and then you write down the income that comes in. Think of like an actual full on accounting journal, right. except much, much smaller. Yeah. Okay. Well then I'm going to go back. Do they have anything about the time that they were performing this ritual on like what, cause if he was fairly well off, he probably purchased a lot of the materials and then probably purchased the residence. So maybe he has the address of the residence. Purchased it or rented it. Yeah. You don't find an address per se, but you do see that there was a, a deposit put down on uh, some, some sort of property or land. It says parcel deposit and you see a, a figure there. And then what you see in the subsequent weeks and then months afterwards is a retaining fee for that parcel. Okay. So basically like he rented it. That seems to be the uh, situation. I mean, only Walmsley would know more, but... Right. Well, we'll be seeing him shortly. Yeah, once I get all the information I can get... First of all, I'm going to ask the doctor where this book was found. You found the book basically in one of the um, over the one of the leather chairs here, like in the... Between the... In the cushions. So I literally point down at the chair that he's currently sitting in. I found it down in here. It looks as though it may have fallen out of his pocket. I don't know. So then it technically doesn't belong to the library. I would guess technically not, if you're being technical about it. And we wouldn't want sensitive information for something, for someone has to fall into the wrong hands. And we're going to go see him so we can return it to him. Wunderbar, if we are doing a good thing. <laughs> doctor opens his doctor bag. <laughs> I drop it in. Well, my dear, should we continue on with our journey? Yes. I think that we should go see Mr. Wolmsley first. And that was at uh, Bedlam Asylum? Yes. I think that he may be... This can go one of two ways. He, He will either be less likely to hide information from us or so scared that he won't tell us anything. Well, the workings of the human mind are no stranger to me, so I will be more than happy to ply my trade. 
one of my trades <laughs> to him as much as I can. So are you uh, taking off after that, or yeah. off to Bedlam? <laughs> um, do you know where Bedlam is? <laughs> All too well. <laughs> so I just figure it doesn't take you too uh, too long to find out if you're going to go investigate where it is. Um, but it is a little, a little anyway, a little out of London. Okay. So it's south. It's near a city called Croydon. So you're probably looking at a half an hour to hours journey out of town. You'd probably have to take a, a train out there. That was going to be my next question. Do we take a train or a bus? I'm thinking of trains this time. I've had enough of driving on the roads for a while. Uh, <laughs> considering I don't drive, yeah, let's take a train. I'm going to move the camera then to... Miss Lane, who has wrapped up her stint at the museum now, although not necessarily more informed, she has read quite a few periodicals. It still found nothing out. Yeah, unfortunately, one of two things two things seems to be true about um, this situation here, especially with the Penhue Foundation. Either the Penhue Foundation is a totally above-board organization, or they just don't leak. It's a ship that doesn't leak and there isn't something salacious or underhanded going on. But the only way you're really going to be able to tell that is if you if you invest, investigate them directly. So is it still daylight out? Yeah, it's the afternoon, but okay. it's definitely still daylight. It would be really kind of... I, I want to be as inconspicuous as possible to not make them seem like that I'm investigating them. So I'd like to go to the Penhue Foundation. Okay. Because I said that the curator at the British Museum that I spoke with did say that they have a small museum with the artifacts from Egypt there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he did mention that they were open during uh, what he calls normal business hours. Correct. So um, that is the next stop that I will make. Okay. Yeah, this is another Victorian era structure. So you get um, the big tall windows and you get the um, vaulted ceilings and that sort of thing. Uh, it, it's a beautiful building. It's well maintained. I'm going to have Mr. Granger make a spot roll. Spot hidden? Oh, yeah. With a massive failure of a 95 or 55. That is one point away from a, from a critical failure. But that's okay, because it's just a simple failure. Um, if you would like, because you're scouting the building... Can I push it? You could. Yeah, I think that... Um, I think that my initial passing over of the fact that she is here um, was me just, like, being in denial. The truth is going to settle in hard. I don't know if that works. Yeah, 52 well, that's, that's a success. Um, you don't believe it at first. You feel like there's no possible way that... Alone? Alone. Oh, yeah. my. I... So, like, all the red alert klaxons begin going <laughs> off in your head as, step by step, Lillian Lane walks up and literally walks in the front door of the Penhue Foundation. Okay. So, this is what I would like to do. I am going to 
based on what I've been able, what day is this day two? Yeah. Okay. So I've had one day of, of inspecting this place so far. Correct. Well, um, I think she's provided me with a great opportunity to, uh, test what I've learned. So I'm going to attempt to anticipate their response. Now, based on who I think she is, I think she might be worth contacting Dante. So I'm going to think, where is he now? Or last I saw in the building. He is from your last best vantage point. Uh, he is on the yeah, ground floor. Is a rumor? Is he like, does he mill about? No, no. He does not mill, that's for sure. He's busy. Uh, he's on the ground floor somewhere. Um, you believe him to be likely in his office because you've not seen him in the main hall, nor towards the front of the building in the foyer area or in the ex- uh, exhibition hall. Okay. Have I identified any, like, security? Well, there are workmen here. Um, so there's. Anywhere between, it looks like three to maybe six, what you would term as guards. Mm-hmm. They try to camouflage themselves as workmen, mm-hmm. but you're way too perceptive for that sort of thing. Um, just centuries. Given your history, these types of fellows don't just kind of hang around. They hang around for a reason. Okay. Now, um, your more analytical side might say there are treasures in the building. And so it's not like there's nothing yeah, it's to worth protecting for sure. Right. I just want to see what level of like, so if they saw her as a threat or they saw her presented as a threat, I feel like there, it should, it should, it would evoke some sort of response. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to use, hopefully she is unassuming enough that the only people who get called are like the people that should get called. But I will swap out my binoculars for my rifle and I will cover Lillian. Oh, boy. Okay. So, um, Miss Lane, you open the doors, the main doors of the Penhue Foundation. They are unlocked. It's about three o'clock when you arrive. P.M. Uh, yeah, P.M. <laughs> Not A.M. Good Lord. <laughs> oh, that so shiny. The main foyer area here has a, a desk at it where there's a young man sitting behind it and he seems to brighten when you walk in and he acknowledges you well, good good afternoon ma'am um, welcome to the penny foundation you can see on the walls here there are um, egyptian artifacts and tapestries there's a couple of pedestals that have some pottery nearby this looks a little bit um just more of a simple show rather than say an exhibition here uh, but you can also see then to the right and to the left of you there seem to be working spaces for um, actual desk work to go on. Good afternoon. Um, I just came from the British Museum uh, where they told me that you guys had a very impressive layout of Egyptian artifacts available to view. Oh, absolutely. It's on the second floor. So I'm, I'm happy to show you the way. If you'd like, that that's perfectly fine. Or if you'd want to just point the way, I am very capable of uh, probably making it there myself. Either way. Of course. He gestures to a nearby stairway. You see not not far from the desk, as you step in the front doors to the left, you can tell that there's a, a stairway that goes up. Just right that way. Great. Thank you so much. Hmm? I head towards the stairway to go upstairs. You head towards the stairway to go upstairs. You pass a worker who uh, is carrying down a couple of objects. There's more than enough room for you both on the stairs, and uh, they seem 
fairly you know, limber enough to to carry the uh, pottery pieces that they're carrying down. You uh, hit the second floor. So there's a landing, and then the small short stair staircase up to the second floor. The second floor is wide open, and so the space here is probably a good maybe thirty by forty-five. It's a pretty big room here uh, that's been set aside, and there are uh, several different examples of um, Egyptian pottery. Um, there are textiles here, quite a few pieces, and they're they're in ages. So within each section of this exhibition, it's a different age. It's like walking through history. Uh, Simone, on your rifle scope, you pick up that uh, Lillian has made it to the second floor. Okay. It looks like she's browsing. So she came in, went past Armand at the door, and then she passed two more workers. From what your what your scope showed, it wasn't um, it wasn't the man that you've been you've been watching intently. No, no, I'm greeted her. It's it was someone just some, right. This person is probably the person who is the doorman. I've given yeah. him a name. His name is Armand. Does Armand, does Armand hang out by the door all the time? Is that the door guy? It seems to be, yeah. Okay. He seems to be sitting at the desk, though, but yeah. And she's in the, uh, what you say, the exhibit area? Yeah, she's second floor now in the exhibit area. Okay. So right now, it seems like she's just kind of a visitor. Like, other visitors have done this, right? They've come in with their oh, yeah. books and looked at stuff and left. Okay, so, all right. Yeah, if it doesn't look like anybody's necessarily been brought to you know brought to her attention or if she's been brought to anyone's attention I'm going to keep an eye on her but I will go back to not freaking out I will I'll start breathing again and I will um, stop my hand from shaking so I can continue taking notes it's really the breathing that gets you you didn't realize you were holding your breath but you were and I will continue meticulously giving everybody names and stories so Miss Lane the, the windows of the exhibit hall are broad and tall uh, and you can see that there are um, vents at the at the top of them. The surfaces here are finished with marble, and the ceiling is probably a good 20 feet high. Uh, there are mummies, uh, glass cases filled with uh, the pottery I talked about, statuary. There's also a, an air of hushed contemplation here. It feels like a museum. There are uh, one or two other people in the area. They seem to be doing very much the same things you were doing there perusing, seeing what the uh, Penny Foundation has to offer. So I, I, I take my time and I look at each piece as to not arouse any suspicion. Based on my time in New York and my other travels, is, is there anything that I might recognize from any of the pieces that I've, I'm looking at? So it'd be either archaeology or history in this room specifically. Yikes. <laughs> I could push that to... I'm, I'm going to, as your keeper, step in and remind you that failed push rolls are exceedingly bad for investigators. No, what I'm saying is I'd spend 20 luck to... Oh. To pass it. Totally up to you. Yeah, let's spend 20 luck to pass it. Okay. Let's go it. You spend 20 luck, and you pass the history roll. So there are many examples here of dynastic Egypt... There are many wonderful pieces. But after a good and thorough search, Miss Lane, you don't find anything here that harkens back to things that you've seen before. 
That sucks ass. Can I have my 20 luck back? You cannot. <laughs> Remember, no mercy. I know. After that, that search, that doesn't come up with anything, which is amazing. I'm assuming there's, like, nowhere else to go. Like, is there additional floors? I... No, there's no additional floors. You don't... I mean, this is it. Sure. It's not that it's not beautiful. It's just that this is all there is. It's not That's like fine. a... It's not like the British Museum you were in earlier, where it was vaunted and huge and rolling. I'm sure they're hiding the good stuff in the basement. But <laughs> that being said, I'm not going to go into the I'm not going to the basement without backup or wherever they might be keeping it. So I go back downstairs and speak to the gentleman at the desk. Okay, he uh, greets you. Yes. Um. Uh, how can I help you? I just had some questions. Um, you had a wonderful exhibit upstairs regarding your Egyptian artifacts, which is mm -hmm. um, it, it was very educational. I, I was wondering how many expeditions do you have going on right now? Oh, several. Um, the, the, the foundation is always working to bring more, uh, really to re rescue these artifacts from Egypt. And uh, we're actively working in more than a handful of uh, digs. Really, uh, that's um, that is a wonderful mission that you guys have. Do you ever find that you run into any trouble with the the natives? I think that um, it's fairly well documented that certain digs have been disturbed by, um, you know, outsiders. But uh, it's for the most part the digs are safe and uh, well secured. Well, that, that's good to know. Is is there any opportunity for uh, people to? you know, outsiders to accompany you on these expeditions? Oh, um, well, I mean, the foundation here has research facilities and we do take donations from uh, members and those who are uh, willing and interested, but I don't know that we've had many um, requests for non-foundation academics to attend. I would probably put that question to someone maybe uh, in the administrative offices. Sure. A friend of mine um, came through London not so mm. long ago. Um, fortunately, he he passed on um, suddenly. Um, and he, he was quite the academic himself. His specialty was cults. Do you ever, do, do any of your expeditions ever run into any cults in Egypt? Um, the man behind the desk looks a little um, nervous. Like, almost like he's out of his element. Uh, why don't I refer you to uh, um to Mr. Kinry, he reaches for the desk phone. Uh, he might be able to uh, assist you with uh, with your questions. There is no need to bother him. Um, however, I would love to make an appointment with him if that if I'm able to do that. Oh, uh, yes, I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that he he would take the appointment, uh, especially if you're interested in making a donation to the foundation. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think what you're doing is wonderful work. Hmm. Do, do you know, Mr. Kinnery is probably free. I mean... Uh, you know, I, I would prefer to come back another day. I have a couple of um, compatriots that would love to also see the foundation and and perhaps ask their own questions. They're, they're traveling companions of mine. Of course, of course. Um, so, uh, your name? My name is Lillian Lane. All right. Miss Lane. Mm -hmm. Morgan. <laughs> why don't you roll credit rating for me? I was wondering when that was going to happen. We're going to see how well-known you are. Got a hard success of 40 out of 85. Uh, he looks rather astonished. Oh, uh, uh, from from the United States, uh, the Lane family. The one and only. Hmm, well, wonderful. 
he uh, continues scribbling on the paper. Um, uh, is there a place that they can reach you at, or? Absolutely, we are staying at the Waldorf Waldorf Astoria, um, mm. and I can be reached there. Well, wonderful. Would you tell me your blood type too? Hey, you shut up over there and just point the gun at people. Oh, you can't see me anymore. Never mind. Be sure and give them our room numbers. <laughs> I should have just given them Simone's name. Um, yes, I'm sure uh, my family would love to make a, a generous donation to the foundation. Oh, well, I'll be sure to uh, let uh, Mr. Kennery know, and uh, he will be in contact post-haste. Great. Thank you so much. And I kind of give him a slight nod slash curtsy and... Uh, skedaddle on out of there alrighty you can tell Simone that she has a rather lengthy conversation with uh, Armand at the desk Mm -hmm. and you can tell that just from the scope that the end of his pen is working overtime and it it appears anyway that uh, Mrs. Miss Lane's mouth does no end of wandering around that uh, he just writes it all down oh you bet and the worst part is is you have no idea what she's telling him. That's that's not only is that true. My question is, is he taking it to Dante? So uh, he waits as Miss Lane exits the building. And then as soon as she's exited the building, he immediately gets up. And he walks the long office hallways and goes into one of the offices. And it isn't more than maybe a minute or so after that before he appears outside uh, Dante's office and then he's let in and they begin having a conversation in which Armand passes this note to Dante okay I will I'm going to wait until it's dark before I make my next move okay. I'm going to have to make a descent so I'm going to take my fishing line and attach like a length of it at least as long as the building is tall to the tail end of my rope Yeah, I'll start setting up for making a descent and then rigging up a small pulley with the fishing line and the rest of my rope to get it back to the roof. So it's not like hanging off the side of the building. Sure. Because you have to figure out what the hell she just did. <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah. I'm waiting. I will keep an eye on Dante uh, for, for the day to see whether or not like, does he interact with Gavigan at all during his day? Cause no. like, if this is day two, so he's just handling stuff, yep. Um, which is good. So I'm going to wait until basically the end of the day. If they don't interact at all, I will wait until probably like well past when the the cleaning people have left, and like the only people that are there are the people that were there that night. And then I'll make my way to the phone box. <laughs> I will. I will leave you there momentarily. Yeah. So. Mr. Doyle and Mr. Forsyth, after your work at New Scotland Yard, are you heading back to the hotel? Yes, uh, unless uh, Forsyth has a different idea. All right. So then my other question then is, is Miss O'Shea and uh, Doctor, given the fact that um, Bedlam is far outside of London, at least in the direct route, are you going to go there at night to the asylum or are you going to go to the hotel and go to the asylum the next morning? I think it's probably a better idea to go to the hotel and go to the asylum the next day when we have time to make a whole day of it. 
Yeah, probably. So here's what I want to do then. I want to convene the investigators together at the hotel. And you all arrive probably roughly within about 20 or so minutes of each other. Uh, I mean, Miss Lane is back first. And then soon after that, Jack and Forsyth. And then finally, uh, Miss O'Shea and uh, Sigmund. Is it dinner time? It It is dinner time. Why not? <laughs> we can do that. We can do whatever we want. Let's have dinner. Are we eating in a common area that's private? Our, our own common area? Yeah, probably. Not? We could probably get um, it's a good idea. room service on somebody else's dime. <clears throat> <laughs> now that Sigmund spent all his money on a membership. <laughs> yeah. Well, next time he's going to spend it on blackjack and hookers. <laughs> I am murder. <laughs> You mean he's going to get hit with a blackjack and then hung on a hook? Yep, you bet. <laughs> Alright, so we're sitting eating dinner? Yeah, you've all... And you can re- recount the wonderfulness of or the terribleness of your day. Okay, who's going first? So we, uh... Lawrence and I uh, went to Scotland Yard today and we spoke to the professor... Uh, not the professor. The detective in charge of the uh, Egyptian murders. He couldn't be very forthcoming, but he did He did mention that he had spoken to uh, Jackson Elias when he came through. About much the same thing. Yes. He also, he also gave us a couple of uh, potential leads. He said the murders, uh, a lot of the people who were murdered seem to have passed through the Blue Pyramid Club. Hmm. He mentioned that the... Uh, cult that Jackson Elias talked to him about was called the uh, cult of the black brotherhood of the black pharaoh brotherhood of the black pharaoh yes and uh, that uh, there was a woman who went who used to work for the PenQ foundation or work with the PenQ foundation who also frequented the blue pyramid uh, spice dealer in, in in the area Okay, Mike didn't, I don't have my original notebook, which is exceedingly frustrating, but I thought I looked up something that mentioned the Black Pharaoh. I mean, everything, every note that you took that was in your notebook oh, yeah, here is, is in your Discord. channel. That's yes, right. all the way to the top. I took pictures of every single page. All right, I'll have to look again. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, and also, one of the uh, victims made a dying declaration, um kept crying out the word hotep hmm. is that the um uh, the narlothotep person yes well we uh, we assume that there might be a connection there we're not supposed to say his name well just something. careful who we talk to it about how uh, we mention that name too just yes of course also um seems like the vast majority of them were uh, Egyptian nationals, except for two. And I'm very interested in finding out who these two are, if there's possibly a reason why these two were chosen. And then I want to talk to somebody about um, uh, Egyptian weaponry, maybe. Because they said that these people were beaten to death with uh, what they assume were clubs with nails driven through them. And that just seems like an uh, unusual uh, weapon for a cult to be using unless it means something. Well, um, 
you you might have that opportunity to ask somebody that. Yeah. So I went to the British Museum today um, and their library to look at periodicals regarding the Penu Foundation and spoke with one of the curators and their suggestion was to go directly to the Penu Foundation because they have their own museum of Egyptian artifacts. Mm-hmm. Yes. So instead of, instead of wasting more time trying to find newspaper articles and everything I found, it looks like that they're above board in this great foundation, which my gut tells me is not necessarily true. Um, I decided to go directly to the Penny Foundation. Damn it. All right. <laughs> I'm going to answer it. <laughs> um, yes, Miss Lane, you hear the voice of someone at the front desk? Uh, yes. We have a telephone call for you. Okay. Put it through. You hear a few clicks. Um, there's a bit of static there. Kind of a an overtone of static, you but uh, Simone, you hear them click through. Bonjour. This is Miss Lane. Mademoiselle, uh, did you enjoy your uh, excursion this afternoon? Were you stalking me? I believe you uh, are well aware of where I was and what I was doing. <laughs> actually, was I aware of that? I don't know if I actually was. You well aware that, that that I was going to be performing surveillance upon the the penu. I must have forgotten. No, like in real life, I must have really forgotten that you told her that. So uh, the excursion um was uneventful. I do not believe you. It looked very productive from what I could see. You'd you'll be very proud of me. I had the opportunity to meet with one of their. I'm assuming it's one of the heads of their foundation today. Um, but I turned that down to set up a meeting for another day. So um, more than one of us can go. So now they have even more time to uh, vet whatever that was that you shared with him? I shared with them my name and they already knew who I was. And outside of that, I think I asked about their expeditions and if um, they let anybody go on their expeditions with them for a, a, a fee. Have you uh, figured out whether or not uh, they will be contacting you? Um, they will be calling me here at the Waldorf. They don't have a room number or anything, don't worry. What I thought was that uh, you told them was at least uh, important enough to garner the attention of the person who uh, seems to answer directly to Gavigan. I purposely leave out telling Simone that I mentioned the word cult to the front desk guy. <laughs> Duly noted. We hope whatever uh, you hope to learn, you can do without uh, at least alerting Gavigan to the fact that you are um, in his house. Unfortunately, with a family name like mine, I'm not sure if that I was going to get away with that. I think it's a question of uh, what you intend to do with your meeting there. I don't know. I was going to ask Jack to come with, but I, you called right before I could talk to him. Oh, that's a terrible idea. Is it? Wait, talking yes. to Jack is a terrible idea, or no, no, no. Uh, me going along is a terrible idea. You don't I even I know what I'm talking to Simone con- about. I can hear her side of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and let's be clear, like the the. I'm right there. I mean, it's not like I'm high. Yeah. Right, and well, the voices yeah, on the uh, other end of the phone aren't necessarily yeah. quiet either. Right. Jack Doyle is uh, will not be making an appearance at the venue. Apparently not. His face is already known. Oh, that's true. 
Oh, by the way, I found it. <laughs> Which probably would have been Maeve grabbing a book and opening it. She now exclaims, ooh, I found it. Yes. <laughs> what? She would do that. I look over at her. I have uh, in the book Life as a God, it talks about Black Pharaoh and that it was a cult to worship the Black Pharaoh. There was sacrifice and torture. Uh, there was a chant at the opening ceremony. The starts of the cult were in Liverpool. Really? And supposedly hmm. all members were killed off. Hmm. Supposedly. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Started in Liverpool? Mademoiselle, if... Uh... What? What? It- I mean, <laughs> as far as the purpose of your meeting, it would seem that this man that you will lose attention, you've acquired, is the uh, the front man. Is he handles all of the museum's business? Um, I I still do not necessarily know what uh, Gavigan is doing on his day to days in isolation. I don't see him wandering around. So it would seem that uh, whatever business they are doing they are doing through this man that you are you are speaking with uh supposedly the meeting is with a mr M- mckerney is that did i say that right mike thomas kennery kennery yeah <laughs> it's only because i said that you mauled that name i yeah. totally kennery you said kennery kennery yes and since since jack can't show his face <laughs> around there apparently um i'm I may have to end up taking Mr. Forsyth with me. So the plan is to go meet with Mr. Kinnery once we arrange a date and time. Will you be coming or will you be stalking us from afar? It would please me very much to speak to Mr. Doyle now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jack. Mm. Oh, yes. This crazy woman will kill us all. I hand the phone to Jack and I just kind of like roll my eyes and walk away. Yes, Simone. We, uh, Monsieur Doyle, it would seem that uh, we have been put in a position where um, we may be able to uh, gently rattle the chains and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So if uh, Madame Elaine is going to be going with Humavel, I will remain in my... Uh, my position, depending on how things go inside, um, perhaps you might be best suited to uh, follow those who may be following them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can do that. I suppose I don't need to say that uh, I do not like these. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, uh, we will make do. I think it's the best we could have hoped for anyhow. Perhaps uh, you can convince uh, Madame Moselin to invest in a, uh, how do you say, uh, motorbike? A motorbike? Think about it. Well, I'll see what I can do. I'll be in touch. Okay. I hang up. Okay. So then it's just the recap from Miss um, O'Shea and, and Sigmund, if they're, if they're going to give one. Uh, I wasn't planning on it. I look over it. I I interjected my thing about the Black Pharaoh, and then I'm like, oh, Oh. I gotta read more of this book. I uh, give a sidelong glance to Miss O'Shea, and if she doesn't say anything, then the doctor uh, just turns the conversation and begins asking more questions about uh, what everyone else did. On that bombshell, it is time to end.
so thank you so much for uh, joining us for another episode of Masks of Neuronathotep. I greatly appreciate your ears, and soon we'll worm our way inside your brains and hearts if we have not already. Uh, thank you again to our patrons. We appreciate your support as well. It helps run the show. Have a wonderful night, everybody, and stay safe.